Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. I am Marwat, and today we're talking about the news for January 30th, 2023. We've got a bunch of news, as a matter of fact, and I'm not going to go through a rundown today. Um, what do you think? Let's just get into the news. Hello, I am Marwat. That is hometown.com and the booming voice, the AI from on high. Good evening, hometown citizens. Tonight's episode is Hey, I saw this coming a mile away. We're going to have all kinds of legal and AI news and a smattering of other things. And we're going to actually end up with a little, um, some social commentary, uh, from, well, the article is about Mr. Beast, but the soapbox is going to be from Mayor Watt. <laughs> so let's get into the articles. Uh, the very first article for today is in the daily news show. That's this show. It's also a channel on hometown.com. If you are in chat and you actually don't mind me saying the messages that you type into the chat, um, just let me know in chat that it's cool. And when you type something, a comment, um, and we uh, end up discussing it, uh, I'll be able to say your name uh, in the future. Uh, but I'll say this each time just so that we have it clear. Um, also, don't forget that down there is hometown.showbot.tv, and that allows you to vote on the articles that we are going to be talking about. And they're already there. I uh, threw them all in there right before the show. So if you uh, go over there, you'll be able to see all of the articles that we're talking about um, and vote on them even preemptively, you know, uh, before we actually get there. Uh, we do take it into consideration the topic overall, but not necessarily a specific niche thing um, to focus on. Um, that might actually take place in the future uh, under various show, um, well, show topics because we have different categories of show and different shows. So for instance, if we see a lot of things about copyright, trademark, or patents, then we'll actually spin up the show, um, right? Protect. Um, and the intent is to bring all 50 of these shows that are planned, um, to Twitch and we're looking for hosts. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, get in touch with the mayor, all kinds of ways to do it. Um, you should be able to even send me messages here on uh, Twitch. So, and we're over in YouTube and we've got a podcast. We're everywhere, everywhere. Hometown really is everywhere. Okay. So enough of that. Uh, the very first article for today is over 50,000 pounds of charcuterie style sausage recalled over listeria contamination. <sighs> you know, I ended up doing uh, a search because I was really curious. It, it seems like I keep hearing about Listeria periodically. And I found out that it pretty much appears in hometown as an article that was been aggregated about every two months, um, going back uh, a couple of years um, with a, a little gap. But I don't know if it was because I stopped aggregating the source um, for this type of news. Uh, but yeah, going back almost a year and a half, um, which is the extent of um, my publicly accessible hometown news aggregation. 
Uh, so I find it really interesting. Uh, I've actually been aggregating news for oh, 10 years. Um, but that said, I think it's interesting that it happens every two months that it gets talked about. Let's pause this video because this video right here doesn't have anything to do with uh, the contamination. Um, at any rate, over 50,000 pounds of charcuterie style sausage uh, recalled over listeria contamination. It's an article over at abcnews.go.com and it's by Kelly McCarthy. I, I don't know what is it. GMA is Good Morning America, I think. Right? Yeah, it is. Good Morning America. Um, so it says, um, before you start that charcuterie board, check your meats to ensure they're safe to consume. And as a general rule, I would probably tell you, check your meats. Um, <laughs> what a weird phrase. So the, the Food Safety and Inspection Service, along with Daniel, I guess, or Daniel um, International LLC, a Rhode Island-based food manufacturer, announced that the recall affected nearly almost 53 pounds. I think if we keep on going through this article, we'll find out that it's like a half a million pounds in over 20 years. But I, I keep amplifying things because whenever I read, it's over 50,000 pounds and then they are a little bit more precise. Um, and they categorize this as being, uh, uh, as having may be adulterated with Listerio monocytogens. Um, so, you right? <laughs> yeah, that's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, that which does not kill you makes you stronger. Can you find the silver lining in a listeria infection? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. Okay. So this is, isn't listeria the thing that hit, um, the, what was the, um, the, uh, oh, what is it? Like a burrito joint. Um, Chipotle. Chipotle. And they never found so. out the true source of that, right? That one just ended right. up. Yeah. No, they had an E. coli. Outbreak. Oh, it was E. coli. That's right. Oh, man, it's just all over the place. You know, we can be brought down by the tiniest of thing. So this says a uh, six ounce plastic tray of boar's head charcuterie trio with a cell date. Uh, by uh, 413.23, 414.23, and 415.23 have been recalled, as well as others. Frederick's by, I guess, Mayer, Spanish-style charcuterie sampler tray uh, with uh, 415.23 and uh, maybe others. Yeah, quite a few others. So what you're going to want to do is follow the link. Um, either follow the one that is now in the chat. Um, or uh, go straight, just do a search for 50,000 pounds charcuterie style, um, and it'll probably pull this article up. So that's our PSA for at least today. Who knows what the next one is going to be? And I want to correct something. Um, e. coli outbreaks happened at Chipotle, but also norovirus um, and clostridium perfrigens outbreaks and so they've had multiple things but it doesn't look like listeria oh well hey let's go for that trifecta and just pick up a uh, little bit of listeria there too so here's infecting you kid uh let's move on to the next article 
the next article is uh, I immediately saw this title and said, what does monosodium glutamate have to do with facial recognition and uh, lawyers? Well, it's not monosodium glutamate. So this article's in the word in law, and it's basically eventually going to be a show where we uh, focus on some aspect of law, um, either a word or a phrase or something where you can do a deeper dive. And I will pull a, a lawyer in to talk about that kind of a thing. Uh, may not always be the same lawyer, but um, at some point, uh, I'm very interested in law and I work with it on the regular. Um, what I am not, though, is a lawyer and I'm not your lawyer even when I am a lawyer. So go and seek legal advice from somebody else. I don't want you yelling at me. Um, go hire the AI lawyer that we're talking about later on. Anyway, uh, MSG in this case, MSG probed over use of facial recognition to eject lawyers from show venues was an article that we talked about previously where Madison Square Garden and Radio City Music Hall used artificial intelligence and facial recognition to detect who somebody was, flag them, and notify authorities to uh, eject the Attorney General Letitia James, I believe, or no, it was somebody else, sorry, it was, it was somebody else. Uh, but we'll get to it. Uh, we'll I'll, I'll click the link and, and we'll talk about it. But an attorney in which there was litigation between either Radio City Music Hall and Madison Square Garden and some other uh, body resulted in having this <laughs> lawyer and their child uh, ejected from um I guess they were going to go see something on ice. I don't know, litigation on ice or, hey, sue my pants off on ice. I think it was a Rockettes show. Wasn't oh, it? it was the Rockettes show. This is why I have an AI that runs hometown because as a human, I have zero long-term memory, apparently. This article is over at ArsTechnica.com, by the way. John Brodkin is the author. And uh, MSG says policy is legal while New York AG alleges it may violate civil rights law. This is going to be an interesting battle because it's basically, does this have a social good in any way, shape or form in that a person cannot, if they're in litigation somewhere, visit a venue in which they have no real uh, dog in the hunt, so to speak? I find it interesting. So let, let me re recount this because we talked about it uh, several months ago and, and now I think several months ago. Um, and now we're going to talk about it again. Um, yes. So I believe the article we featured last time was called lawyer mom on girl scout trip gets kicked out of Rockettes Christmas show due to law firm affiliation. And that should have been on December 22nd um, episode. Oh, so about a month ago. Um, and uh, that title is extremely long. So ju just search for uh, Girl Scout Troop Rockets and you'll find it in hometown. Um, that said, so it says here, this is the summary of the, that previous um, article. In December, attorney Kelly Conlon was denied entry to Radio City Music Hall in New York, where she accompanied her daughter's Girl Scout troop to a Rockette show. 
Conlin wasn't personally involved in any of the lawsuits, by the way, against MSG, um, but is a lawyer for the firm. They tagged every attorney in the firm that quote unquote has been involved in personal injury litigation against a restaurant venue now under the umbrella of MSG entertainment. This is so dystopian. The simple fact that you exist and you're tertiary to the firm. What about the paralegals? What about the uh, office managers? What about the, the cleaning crew? Studial services. Yes. Oh exactly. my gosh. <laughs> I'm thinking like in artificial intelligence. Um, Okay, I'm going to have to go and talk to a therapist. I'm, I might be turning into an AI. You know, where is the limit here? And what information is actually being aggregated by an artificial intelligence by a private organization? Like, I can understand maybe the police where in a time, and even then, in a time of trouble where they have the authority to parse copious amounts of video to trace somebody who's committed a crime back to wherever and whoever might have uh, co-conspired to commit the crime, whatever the case may be, but it's bound in law and it's enabled through a court order saying, yes, you're allowed to do this. This is a private company recording everybody and empowered by an AI and machine learning to track and then gather intelligence about these people. It just seems creepy as hell. Well, doesn't it make you wonder also about the law firm's role in this? Because how did it get access to the entire roster and visuals of the firm? Well, a lot of firms publicly display who their attorneys are because it actually adds gravitas to and respect so same thing gravitas to the firm to show how professional their attorneys are and list their cv and and go deep into their areas of practice and whatnot but that's what i mean you you might as well just create an fbi most wanted list every time there's some affront to a company they load up the competition's website and then throw it into an ai and say track these people wherever we have properties. Can you imagine every Tom, Dick and Harry having the capacity to do this and then leverage it so that you can hobble the freedoms of the various people. All they wanted to do was spend several hundred dollars. I'm sure for tickets to go see the Rockettes and these D bags decide that they're going to leverage the tech to punt a mom and their daughter and their girl scout troop. You know what? MSG and Radio City can kiss my shiny metal ass. Um, oh, there goes some more sponsors. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, owns Hulu Theater and Beacon Theater in New York, Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm sure that they own stuff that is um, uh, tangential to the organization primary names right they own little businesses all over the place or big businesses all over the place we just don't know who they are yet um and by proxy the the primaries the 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 um the persons the, that run this the c-suite and stakeholders may actually be able to leverage that same technology in their other properties um 
it just seems twisted. I don't think that I have a problem with private entities being able to exploit technology to this level um, and, and harm the, it, it, this damages the social contract because what was that? This damages the social contract because um, what they're basically doing is saying, we can stop you from going about your business anytime we want to, because we have a beef with you. So it, I, I'm just troubled by this. You want to throw anything else at the wall? See if it sticks. I think you've covered it, but I think this is so wide ranging. It's not for police, you know, police or law enforcement purposes. It's not discriminatory. I mean, it's just such a wide net. There's something odd with the audio. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll have to look at your routines. This is really weird. Um, it's picking something else up. I also wanted to mention though, if you're reading the title and you, you're thinking about the other MSG, there was an interesting article on January 28th on hometown about MSG with respect to science versus racism. So I would recommend checking that one out too. Oh boy. This rabbit hole is going to go deeper than we want. In that case, let's move on to the next article. Let's move on to the next article. Sorry about that. Um, I was checking to see if there was an audio problem and um, it might be. Um, yeah, we'll have to troubleshoot it later. Okay, so this next article is in the mobile channel. And it is titled AI generated voice firm clamps down after 4chan makes celebrity voices for abuse. And this is a, it's a, a bit of a, a segment that's uh, quite long in hometown. I don't normally allow this level. Um, and uh, I normally would have truncated this, but they actually offered it up like this um, via their service. So um, this is from Vice and their articles are usually comprehensive. Um, so what it says here at the very beginning of the article, and then we'll transition over to the article itself. Um, it was only a matter of time before the wave of artificial intelligence generated voice startups became a thing, a plaything of the internet trolls. On Monday, 11 Labs, founded by ex-Google and Palantir staffers, said that it had found an increasing number of vo voice cloning misuse cases during its recently launched beta. Okay, so let me just say one thing. This is easily done outside of a solution like what 11 Labs is offering. It may not be as sophisticated but over a decade ago, using nothing more than a text file and Python, I was able to take anybody's spoken word, break it into their phonemes and have um, Bush say Obama's uh, acceptance speech when he became president. Uh, you know, I, it's quite easy to do this um, with Python alone, let alone the more modern sophisticated tools at hand, everything has simply gotten more powerful. 
So the article continues on. Eleven Labs didn't point uh, to any particular uh, instances of abuse, but Motherboard found 4chan member uh, members appear to have used the product to generate voices that sound like Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, and Emma Watson to spew racist and other sorts of material. See, this is the kind of thing where I say this is a violation of the social contract. What might be good and fun or good old boy fun is actually causing harm to the reputation of the people that are being exploited in this way. And the people that are doing it think that it's just fun and games and are largely beyond arm's reach, depending on where they are because they're in another country in the United States. If somebody does this kind of thing legally, they could be hunted down and charged. Um, because it's causing reputational harm, which can translate into financial harm, which is both are actionable. Um, not to mention the pain and suffering that somebody will have to bear when they have to chase this crap down to stop it from being um, seen as actually them. It's kind of like uh, when somebody um, becomes a defendant, they have to fight to not be seen as the criminal defending themselves. Just the branding of something like, oh, Joe Rogan said something racist. And then Joe Rogan has to go on his radio show or on his podcast or wherever he is and sit there and say, no, it's 4chan. And he has to keep on hammering that refrain because he didn't say anything racist. Now, same thing with Ben Shapiro, same thing with Emma Watson, same thing with everybody. Um, it, it's just sad that people find pleasure in doing something like this. Now I could be the target of it because I'm speaking out against it. That said, these tools are out there. They've been out there for more than a decade. So you're not putting that cat back in the bag, so to speak. Um, and apparently it went well beyond this. It says racist, transphobic, and violent things. This author, uh, this article is over at vice.com by Joseph Cox. And um, let's see here. It said, um, so it's 11 labs. They didn't point fingers at anybody other than motherboard finding out that 4chan members had used the tool or apparently used a tool. I don't know why they would say that it's from 11 labs though. Um, in one example, a generated voice that sounds like the actor Emma Watson reads a section of Mein Kampf. And another, uh, Ben Shapiro, makes racist remarks about uh, AOC. And um, in another one, they uh, it's someone um, saying that trans rights or human rights um, apparently is strangled. So you can see how sociopathic um, these elements are. And um, this is interesting. They actually have... A comment here that says, do you know anything else about abusive AI generated voices? We'd love to hear from you. And they provide a signal um, address. So you could actually <laughs> just leave a message. Um, yeah, it, it's quite shocking. But again, it's out there. You're not going to be able to stop it. The, the thing that needs to take place is that it's society has to make an adjustment um, and and teach people that you just don't do these kind of things uh, for giggles. And there's only two ways of going about it, really. 
You either teach them how to be human and part of the social contract of society, or you charge them with some crime, whatever it might be. You slap their hand and say, use your knowledge for good instead of whatever debaggery this amounts to. As harmless as you think it might be, you could be causing somebody great harm to their reputation, to their business practices, loved ones that get a whiff of this message and it's not correct. It isn't in the right context. It's, you know, uh, just a prank, bro, you know, pull your head out of your butt and, and stop acting this way. Um, and, and really back in the day when somebody acted like this, society shunned them and said, we don't want any of your crap nowadays. Hmm can make you president you have any opinion on this ai from on high just walk away yeah i don't have anything that you haven't already said let's move on to the next article so this next article is uh, no one uh, no coming together right now musical class action shot down so their little snippet from above the law, which is where this is sourced from, is I want to rock and get paid for it. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try not to step onto the soapbox uh, because I have definite opinions about this. There's legal foundations and you can argue about those. And then there's personal opinion. And that is where um, I, I try to shine. Um, that said, let's talk about this article. So Chris Williams over at AboveTheLaw.com uh, wrote this article. And uh, it says, Reclamation stories where the little guys grow up to uh, fight the powers that be are inspirational. Well, the ones that are successful at least. A recent effort of two bands to band together has just been disbanded. It'll make more sense after you read the quote from Reuters. So this article was originally from Reuters and then uh, Chris Williams at Above the Law augmented it with their um, perceptions, opinions, etc. So here is the quote that is over at Reuters. Um, a Manhattan federal court on Friday rejected a motion by a group of rock musicians to proceed with a class action lawsuit against Universal Music Group and its Capitol Records subsidiary, which they accused of ignoring notices that they were reclaiming their copyrights from the label. So to give you an understanding of what this means is these bands sold or licensed their music to umg slash capital records and the copyright gets transfer it gets assigned to the organization and that organization gets to utilize it for whatever purposes you know the the bands get, are given money for x amount uh, of value um or they get a uh, kind of a um a, a small amount um, and a dividend of sorts are given to them for each play and it gets gathered up each month or year or quarter or whatever. And so they get a little bit of juice. Well, depending on what the agreement is, um, it could be until the end of the term of the contract. And if the contract states that it's in perpetuity, well, you've basically sold your rights and assigned them to the 
company. You are no longer the owner of said music, but U.S. copyright law says that you, as the uh, creator of the work, have an absolute right to reclaim your copyright because it never really goes to somebody else. You're the creator of it, so you can reclaim it. I think it's a batshit crazy concept because if I buy something from you, it should be mine now. The musicians, including singer-songwriter Sid Straw and members of the rock bands The Dickies and The Dream Syndicate, um, have unique situations that require separate lawsuits, apparently, um, based on what this article is saying. And they had hoped to represent a much larger class of artists who filed termination notices with UMG. So basically, a, a mob of musicians said, I'm reclaiming our rights. Copyrights. Right. They've actually sold it. They've licensed it. They've uh, given it. It's like selling a car to somebody and then saying after five years, I'm taking the car back. Oh, and I'm keeping the money. Just want to let you know. So the usual culprit uh, when individuality kills a musical group's effort is lead singer's disease, not stringent requirements on what constitutes a class. That witty observation was supposed to be a joke. I didn't laugh at this joke either, which is rare for an article from AboveTheLaw.com. Maybe internally I'm laughing. The inner attorney inside me is laughing. Um, that said, the musicians are dead serious about getting their money's worth. Why wouldn't they? Uh, why wouldn't they be? And aren't done with the legal collaboration angle. So um, I'll I'll skip a little bit. Um, and yes, um, the AI from on high reminded me that it's referred to as royalties. Um, so you either get a bulk sum to own the catalog or a subset of the catalog, a tranche of it, or you get royalties for um, its use wherever it gets licensed. So a provision in the U.S. copyright law allows artists to terminate agreements to transfer their copyrights and reclaim them after decades in some circumstances. Artists who signed contracts with UMG predecessors in the 70s and 80s sued UMG in 2019 for allegedly rejecting their notices and continuing to sell their music without permission. And UMG argues the musicians cannot reclaim the copyrights because the songs were works made for hire, which is an argument that I've already had with the AI from on high, because when I saw this, I immediately jumped on my soapbox. Um, for which the termination right does not apply. So Kaplan said Friday that the musicians could not represent a broader class of artists who sent termination notices to UMG with effective dates between 2013 and 2031. I mean, that seems to be a problem because they're prejudging a future class. I mean, I understand they're looking at the present class, but I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah, I, I think it's quite interesting as well, because I don't think that if you sell your copyright and it doesn't have a term limitation, that you could just roll in there whenever it suits you and pull back the agreement. Now, I think you can if you give every single penny back plus interest because the investment from the time you made your money to the time where you're reclaiming your rights is a profit center for the organization that gave you money. They could have been making 
millions on the money that they paid for those songs. So now you got to give it all back. I would be interesting. I'd be interested to know if that's part of the class. Hey, we want our rights for our songs back, but we know that you've been selling our song and developing the goodwill around the song and amplifying our song well beyond the mainstream of our marketability. So here's all of the money back plus interest plus the mechanisms of goodwill in terms of financing so that all of the name brand recognition that we have because you've been amplifying our song across your many, many channels um, represents, you know, a billion dollars worth of marketing over a decade, right? Because there's interest on that and there is, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, <laughs> my brain just locked up. Um, so basically there's money that's being made on top of the money, uh, uh, inflation, sorry. So there's inflation that goes with it. So if you had something in the seventies and it was bought for a hundred thousand dollars, your, your catalog was bought for a hundred thousand dollars. That could easily be a billion bucks, depending on how it all played out. You know, imagine buying Apple, $100,000 worth of Apple stock, or having the money and investing it in Bitcoin before it collapsed and then having the brain to dump out when it hit 19,000, before it, you know, crashed and hit 19,000. Um, it, it, it is shocking um, how brazen I think that this is. Uh, but the article over at Reuters is titled Artists Can't Band Together in Universal Music Copyright Class Action. Because um, I don't think that it's a real class action. In my opinion, it's just two artists that are trying to represent a larger voice. Um, but I hope that they have all of the signatures, kind of like, um, you know, you read about it in a, or watch it in a movie where some paralegal goes out and finds a whole bunch of signatures uh, from a town so that they can get a class action to sue the, the, the juggernaut business. Um, yeah, I just think that it's really odd that even that it even exists that they can reclaim their copyright. Um, essentially getting their cake and eating it too. Well, and doesn't that... Um... I mean, that begs the question of what else could these be other than works for hire? Um, well, See, I guess we don't know, right? The facts are going to vary depending on each depending on each case. But it, the timing is also interesting, right? It looks like all of these have arisen after several years of being with the record label. Correct. Yeah. And as for work for hire... Um, I, I guess it really depends on the context of the work for hire in each individual song. If under a, if being under a label simply means that you're a work for hire, then I think that there is a bigger problem there in that bands don't understand that a work for hire is being part of a label. And when you're compensated prior to the sale of the, the album, that's a work for hire here. I'm giving a hundred thousand dollars. It's kind of like an author, um, and a book, right? So yeah, the, like the advance. yeah, yeah, you get the advance. And then whenever your book goes public and it gets sold, the advance is pulled back. So if you don't 
if your book doesn't sell, well, if your book doesn't sell and they don't make their advance money back, guess what? You're not publishing through them anymore. Um, but the publisher gives you $25,000 to complete your book and then they pay for editing and uh, printing and distribution and all of that. And then when it starts selling, they keep that advance until the profits exceed the advance and then you start getting some juice. The music is similar, except now they've made the money. They were given money. Years go by of sales and message amplification. And then they say, yeah, we want our rights back. Yeah, I guess I just couldn't figure out why the artists would have transferred their rights over to the company unless it was some sort of condition of signing with the label or it was some sort of predatory practice. For instance, we've seen some of that in the news with musicians that were minors or were really taken advantage of, not necessarily this record label. But. Yeah, but and I think that what you're referring to is more in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, not really in the 70s and on, although there, I'm sure you can get early 70s kind of abuses and abuses in general. I mean, Kesha apparently had some pretty abusive um, things and Taylor Swift, she can't even sing her own music unless she re-records it um, because there's somebody that owns her catalog, um, which I, I, again, why can't Taylor Swift reclaim her rights? Is it the terms of the contract? Well, Again, this will be an interesting copyright case. Um, and that, by the way, actually brings me to one of the articles because Right Protect um, is really about talking about patents, trademarks, copyright, um, even the international aspects of it, because what happens in the U.S. stays in the U.S. kind of a thing. Um, it, it'll be interesting to watch this um, get prosecuted. <laughs> Let's move on to the next article. So the next article is over in the Warcrafters channel and it's uh, state bar associations shout objection, your honor, to scare AI lawyer away from court. I use legal jargon in my daily life. <clears throat> I object. Um, so when it comes to how AI will change our lives, the party is very much just getting started. That is an understatement. Let's just go straight over to uh, pcgamer.com and rich stanton put this article together and they say in the little I, i'm not, i can't remember what that is called right there it's not a lead but anyway finally a little victory for humanity if you count lawyers ha 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 lawyer joke that's funny so um, as tech begins to push into new areas it's going to run up against one obstacle repeatedly lawyers in a story that feels a little emblematic of our tool-assisted future, an AI-based system designed to give people f uh, live legal advice when contesting traffic tickets was blocked from its first-ever courtroom case after the creator backed down in the face of legal threats from human lawyers. Now, <clears throat> uh, I'm sure that they're going to end up talking about this, but we already spoke about this to, to, to actually pretty big extent do not pay will not play in the courtroom is the title of the episode. Um, and 
really what happened was the attorneys that from the bar um, said this isn't this is going to set a dangerous precedent not for um, the courts and lawyers but for the people that are using this because not only is it recording and listening to live conversation it may not record it though it may actually just listen and interpret it but then all of that telemetry is lost because if it's not recorded then it can't be assessed for its efficacy um, but it's basically listening in on live conversation um, and then providing real-time advice and if that advice is wrong and the person says this thing all manner of issue can stem from it so it says here the do not pay system is designed among other things to help people contest traffic tickets effectively without having to pay a lawyer to do so and would generate legal arguments for its user through ai text generators including chat gpt and davinci well if it's providing legal advice then it's acting as an attorney that is my interpretation of it that is the interpretation of lawyers that i've spoken to about this um uh, I, and i won't go too deep into that aspect of it um but the the nature of this is you cannot act as an attorney without being an attorney licensed to practice in that state and sometimes <laughs> in that particular court you do not want you know a, a, a an attorney that focuses on traffic arguing a murder trial even if it is an ai <laughs> it's not designed to do that it's not a subject matter expert and you can end up in jail for life because it gave bad advice and you ran afoul of the judge not to mention you're listening to some earpiece sending you messages when you should be paying attention to the judge and opposing counsel so basically the bar said to browder yeah you're not going to be doing this um otherwise you're going to end up uh in court yourself you cannot act as an attorney giving advice is one thing but acting as an attorney is another and i i think a website that sits there and says well you're going to traffic court say this say that is dangerous enough but then trying to do it live the liability would shift and i think there's an air gap between the um person that is in the courtroom and the company do not pay and they can sit there and say well it was the ai that provided the information not us um, and therein lies the, the the problem there might be some what's the term for products it would be strict liability uh, would a service have the same strict liability concept applied to it? I'm not sure. I think, um, it depends on what the cause of action would be, I suppose. Um, but I also see it raising problems for appeal because somebody doesn't like their, um, verdict and, then of course it's like, well, the AI <laughs> made me do it. And for that matter, on the other side of it too, right? Like, oh, the other side had an AI, it needs to be thrown out. I mean, I just see it complicating things. The other thing is 
many times communications outside of the courtroom are limited. And so this seems to violate that fundamental aspect, right? Media can't even usually be in the courtroom or they have limitations, I should say. Yeah, they shouldn't have any phones. They shouldn't be communicating while the court is active. They shouldn't be recording anything. They can't have video. All kinds of controls are in place. Um, but in this particular case, all of that would have been active. They would have been listening in. They would have been possibly recording it. They're giving it legal advice. Um, it, it really is um, dangerous, I would say, to enact this now. Um, plus, it, this type of a court, there aren't attorneys representing the uh, clients. They they are coming and saying, yeah, I ran the stop sign. Um, not until you get to something like, um, uh, what is it, dangerous driving. Um, reckless uh, driving. Reckless driving. Reckless driving in many states is kind of felony level activity. And therein, you go to a different court and it becomes, you know, thousands of dollars and uh, an attorney represents you because you representing yourself is pretty much a dumbass move. Um, so, again, now is not the time. Here is not the place for this type of activity. I think it needs to be trained on the back end more and maybe some public discussion about the use of AI in the legal sense. It can parse all kinds of data. It can uh, give the odds. That was a project that I was working on a while back, um, assessing the, the weight of evidence to see what the outcome of a court case might be. Um, that was an oddball kind of a situation because it was, you had to evaluate it and give it some weight, give it some meaning um, so that the program could analyze that evidence. This is simply stepping through the legal hoops to mitigate the costs of running a red light. Um, that's really interpretation and getting on the good side of a judge that says, oh, you are of good character. You won't do it again. You know, I'll knock it down to a simple violation. You pay a $20 fine and get the hell out of my court and don't come back. Um, versus, oh, you're a dumbass with an AI. I think I'm going to put you in jail for 24 hours and let you think this over. Life choices, folks, and AI probably isn't it, at least not right now. Um, I just want to say if you are in chat and you don't mind me um, saying your name and welcoming you and that kind of stuff, I don't normally do that anymore um, because uh, I know that um, well, some people want to um, lurk um so feel free to lurk and and if you don't mind uh, asking questions and and me saying your name and and whatnot um both live on the stream and in the podcast and in the youtube then let me know and um i'll i'll publicly welcome you in z welcome <laughs> you better say hello to me <laughs> awesome thank you very much for coming and hanging out um there are others that are kind of um, lurking, so uh, feel free to uh, chat me up, throw some questions in there if you have them. Um, otherwise, we'll go through the news, and um, we're pretty much, we're more than halfway through, I'd say. Not even halfway through. Well, the AI is telling me that I had better speed things up, otherwise we're going to be here for a year. So the next article 
is over in the word and law as well. And, and this episode really is kind of uh, heavy law and AI related federal judge utterly done with lawyers pettiness. Um, and the statement in this article is judge is done with this foolishness. So let's go over to the source. And uh, this is over at above the law as well. And Catherine Rubino is the author of this. And um, they have this graphic called a bench slap, which is hilarious, at least to me, because um, there's another slap that starts with a B. I, I won't say it. Um, so the uh, author says, I've never really thought of a judge as the parent trying to reason with two squabbling siblings before. But after reading the opinion from Judge R. David Proctor from the Northern District of Alabama, it's the only image that they can summon. And let's start out strong is the statement, uh, quoting Shakespeare tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow writes our language. Finest craftsman creeps in this petty pace from day to day. William Shakespeare, the tragedy of Macbeth act five, scene five, 1623 immortal words. Apparently, um, these are the words the bard penned centuries ago in this place set in the cavernous stone hallways of uh, Inverness Castle. I think it might be Inverness Castle. Um, tomorrow and petty. Sometimes we are not focused on tomorrow, but rather the very next hour or even the next minute. And in the context of this case, petty hardly does justice to counsel's behavior. Although counsel have been admonished repeatedly over the course of this litigation to behave in a manner befitting their profession. It seems that every time Chambers receives a phone call or filing from them, the bar manages to be lowered further and further. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically dad saying, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed, <laughs> which is worse than like, mom throwing an ashtray at you that's just blind rage not that that's ever happened to the mayor of hometown but um so oh snap is the article continuing uh, you know we're here for the petty see he's adjudicating emotion where the defendants were seeking to strike plaintiff's opposition brief for being late how late you ask the judge will tell you in the motion, defendants seek to strike plaintiff's opposition brief because, and the court is not making this up, it was filed 15 minutes late. It was due to be filed at 5 p.m. It was not filed until 5.15. And then he continues, 15 minutes. It seems like such a short interval, but there are times during our lives when 15 minutes can make a big difference. In the litigation world, a party re uh, presenting oral arguments before, say, a judicial panel on multi-district litigation or the 11th circuit would love to have just 15 more minutes to present the case. Applicants for law school desperately desire a mere 15 minutes more while taking the LSAT. Uh, here's a hint, just pro-life tip that doesn't happen. You're not allowed. Um, a marathoner would rejoice if the race was over 15 minutes sooner than when she actually crossed the finish line in the football world. There have been games, when the vanquished team wished they'd had 15 more minutes to try to engineer one more scoring drive. This judge continues. It goes on and on. Travelers who are running late would often not miss flights if they had an extra 15 minutes to get to the gate. Uh, we just talked about a 13 hour flight that turned around. Um, 
they would love to have just gotten 15 more minutes of flight time and they would have landed. Well, the judge continues on. There are no doubt many other instances where when 15 minutes could make a world of difference, but the electronic filing of an opposition brief in this court on a late Thursday afternoon is not one of them. <laughs> Crushing spirits, right? So, but the judge Proctor isn't done ridiculing the ridiculousness of the motion. The, uh, he hypothesizes a faraway undiscovered parallel universe where a theoretical conversation might take place that would provide better context for such a frivolous motion as the defendants. And he goes on literally setting a scene and I will not go through all of it. So in the end, it, they say only in a distant parallel universe would defendants motion to strike make any sense. <laughs> I mean, this you was can a roller coaster. See the Shakespeare uh, quote at the beginning of that order. That's great. Uh, further down, let me scroll down. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. really funny. It's literally in the order. Wow. Okay. So um kind of like that ai attorney thing you don't piss off the judge you just don't well the crazy thing here is the judge knows that it's late you don't have to do anything nasty about it to draw any more attention to it and the reality is probably that the judge isn't going to look at it until monday at the earliest anyway so the 15 minutes is completely irrelevant right because if it comes in on at five o'clock, the judge isn't going to see it. But I mean, when you go through like a paralegal program or a law school, um, you, it is pounded into you that you have to be timely. So when you get out into the professional environment and they have flexibility, you take that as thank you. Thank you so much for your flexibility you don't become rigid about it unless you're trying to exploit some limitation in the system because your original argument is, is weak. In this particular instance, I think that I would have probably, if I was the judge, I probably would have put the fear of judge in both parties similar to this, but then still let that go by. Um, because letting something, either a false positive or a false negative, slip by on a technicality, I think defeats the spirit of law. And this absolutism kind of a solution means that everybody is harmed because it's it's really about the context of the act, the, the whatever the event is that led these people to the courtroom. It needs a, a human aspect to it. Um, something you're not gonna get from an AI. You want to move on to the next article? I think we probably should, huh? Yeah, we, we are going to run really late. So uh, the next article. Oh, um, just a side note. Uh, thank you, Z. Sorry about uh, not responding sooner. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your time in Ometown. Really do appreciate it. And um, stop by more often. Uh, Ometown.com itself. You just wait. Um, I don't know how often you've gone over there to look at it um, outside of uh, being a, a citizen of hometown. 
Like a lot of people go there and just kind of parse the stuff and they don't sign up. But uh, come Wednesday or Tuesday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Thursday, there is so much information that um, you really kind of have to pick your battle and find an area of interest based on the titles of the show, uh, the, the channels. Uh, in hometown and, and see if there's something really interesting. And don't forget, you can always send it over to um, the the bot there, right there. Hometown.showbot.tv. You can actually just hit exclamation point S and then the title or the URL and it'll send it into the showbot. Um, it's a neat little uh, gadget that I put into effect just for those who are in the chat. So come and hang out. That would be great. Um, so let's go on to the next article. This one might creep some people out. Let me re-grab this, um, article. Um, oh, you said that you can't see the, uh, vote. Oh, you should be able to. Let me, yeah, you should be able to. You just click on it. It's not a voter up or down. It's just a vote. Um, and the more people that vote for a particular URL and the title that it is, uh, it will activate it and, and just kind of move it up the rank. And you'll see when you click on the, um, URLs themselves. Um, but we can, yeah, there you go. Awesome. So, and it happens in real time, so I'll see it as well. So this next article is over in the mobile channel. AI has found potential alien techno signatures hidden in radio signals from space. Um, no worries, Z, no derailing. It's the nature of uh, live streaming. So I enjoy it. Um, and the AI just has to tolerate everything that I enjoy because they're an AI and they're giving me digital side eye right now. Just like, oh gosh, this human. Um, so searching for skies, uh, searching the skies for UFOs or homesick aliens is practically an American pastime and no one does it better than SETI, the, uh, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And we have to find it extraterrestrially because it doesn't appear to be here all that often. <laughs> womp womp. So established in 1984, SETI has made their mission to scan the skies for radio signals comprised of non-Earth-based techno-signatures that may belong to alien technologies. Um, unfortunately, we lost Arecibo. Um, it was pushed. Let, let, let me just go over to the art article. Um, Sarah Wells over at vice.com wrote this article and it says, while scientists aren't holding their breath, AI could be a powerful tool in the ongoing search for alien life and, and really AI um, will search for whatever it's programmed to. So maybe it'll find something that is anomalous, but isn't going to pan out to be alien. I would love to see an alien. I would love to have one land on the lawn. I've been told that if they do, you really don't want them on your lawn. You have to run out and say, get off my lawn. Um, because they'll do some probing and you don't want to be probed by an alien. I probably wouldn't remember it, right? Because they apparently do that kind of stuff. At any rate, so Arecibo um, was actually one of the sources for SETI uh, to search the skies um, for radio waves that might indicate an alien uh, life. 
Um, but it was pushed way beyond its limits. Uh, when it was originally engineered, they engineered it for a certain capacity, but then they just piled on more tech and eventually through, um, I wouldn't call it mismanagement, but poor maintenance lack regimes. Of, lack of funding for maintenance, I would think. Yeah. So it, it, it was over capacity and uh, a storm blew through one time did some damage and and that weakened the pylons and then it just imploded i mean it was disastrous and there's actually video out there for it um so now they have to learn how to do it with other things so wide area array uh, uh, wide satellite telescope arrays um covering massive areas just like in the movie contact um, just listening to the skies, scooping up all kinds of uh, material, and then they can assess it, um, much like, well, everything that's being scooped up and put into a data center in Utah. Did I say that out loud? Are we going to lose another? We're going to lose another sponsor. Okay. So uh, radio data streaming in from outer space and is abundant resource, but it's also one of the things that can be easily muddled with our own Earth-based radio signals that are bouncing off the ionosphere and so on. Um, so Ma said that the signals of interest that are plucked from this haze are ones that are narrowband, Doppler shifted, originating from some extraterrestrial source. You really, if you've never heard of this kind of thing, watch the movie Contact. It actually does a bang up job of setting the stage for what um, is hoped to be seen. Um, but I find it really interesting because we're just a big blue ball just hurling through space. We're listening to something that existed in a different time in space as we're moving past it. So we're like listening to this thing, but it's not going to be, we have to reverse engineer that signal, its directionality and so on. So what they actually end up doing nowadays is listening to uh, satellite, uh, satellite telescopes, radio telescopes that are huge in disparate areas of the earth. And then using some pretty advanced math, they're calculating the angle that that signal is hitting the earth. It's quite fascinating because it'll hit one side of the planet before it hits the other, but it's the same signal. And so they reverse engineer that signal and then find out the directionality of it. Then they can do other things like machine learning, artificial intelligence to assess is this something that we can believe is extraterrestrial or is it just from um, some type of a star that's sending high energy radio waves or is it from an alien? Could it be an alien? Um, pretty neat stuff. Um, there's more over at this article, uh, but suffice it to say that I'll, I'll say what they say. Looking for these signals in the data can be like looking for a needle in a haystack. Time-consuming and tedious, but that's where machine learning can help. Ma and colleagues designed their neural network to identify and classify what it thinks is the most important features of the SETI data while simultaneously trying to filter out Earth-based interference. And I think that's really important to say that uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, AI and machine learning should be able to amplify the ability to search for information within data 
and then give that information to a human and not make a determination at all on its own. It should just give it to a human for interpretation um, beyond that first look at it. Otherwise, you're going to end up in court and then an AI is going to be representing you. And then an, a, a robotic AI is going to take you to jail uh, because you pissed off a judge. I'm world building here. Okay, so the next article is in the Law Nerd channel. More than a quarter of Louisiana prisoners have been held past their release date since two, uh, 2012, according to the DOJ. Um, there's a reasonable cause to think that Louisiana is violating the constitutional rights of imprisoned people by keeping them in custody past their release dates. Uh, I'm going to blame for-profit prisons. Deborah Cassens Weiss over at ABAJournal.com wrote this article. And... Um, I can imagine that it's a, a, an issue. 31% of them were held over for at least 60 days and 24% were held for at least 90 days past their release dates. A shocking amount of abuse here. Quote, at this rate, this unconstitutional practice costs Louisiana over $2.5 million a year. Are the people in jail and actually working? Are they making a profit for the prisons because a lot of people that work in prisons are actually working for the prison. They get a stipend. The prisoners get a small amount, but they could be working for the prison. So I said the DOJ said the problem was caused by systematic or sorry, systemic deficiencies and procedures by the Louisiana Department of Public Safety and Corrections. And the deficiencies relate to the receipt of sentencing documents and the calculation of release dates and employee training. Pretty, pretty cut and dry. That's not an excuse, right? right. <laughs> I mean, somebody's been in prison, let's say 10 years, and then they can't manage to release them when their release date comes up. Yep. We'll just leave that one alone and move on to the next article. It's a shame. Um, and the system needs to change. So if you're in Louisiana, yeah. If you think that this is an issue that you can address, address it. You got to speak to your uh, representatives uh, to fix this. Um, so Z, if you don't mind me saying this, it says, I, I cannot imagine looking forward to that release date and being held against my will after it. It's straight up kidnapping. Yep. Yep. Particularly if I'm still bound by the rules within the prison, I'm my sentence has been extended. Um, hence the violation of the constitution. Uh, I'm just amazed, you know, I'll just go back a little bit. So I'm just amazed, but I'm not right. It's because when you end up in jail, you are seen as a lesser citizen, even though you've paid your price and you're being released, they still don't see you as anything other than chattel. You are an object for them to direct and they don't give one lick about it. They don't care that you are still a human being. Then the problem extends beyond that because not only are these people exiting, but they are fuming when they exit because their stay has been extended through incompetence. All it takes is a phone call to say this person is released and email the release documents. Everybody sign it and off you go, buddy. Good luck trying to resurrect your life. Um, and it really depends on the context of their 
uh, criminal activity too that landed them in there. Regardless, they've paid the price. So why treat them as if they are still a criminal? They are now an ex-convict. <laughs> so they were uh, they were convicted of their crime. They paid their dues, and now they're out. It's because we don't really have a, a prison system that rehabilitates. It's purely punitive and only the strongest willed uh, survive and maybe some get an education and regret their actions that led, led them there. Um, there are apparently some um, support systems in prison, but they don't, I don't think that the institution really cares about the population because you know, you're a criminal and thus a lesser human. Um, and I agree, Z, super sad. So let's move on to the next article. Um, amount of people there, um, for small drug related offenses anyway, likely shouldn't be there. Yep. Um, and that should change in time. Um, particularly like uh, marijuana uh, violations. Uh, it gets a little more serious when you get into other drugs, but that's actually a perception of society as well. Who knows? In, in time, maybe um, even other drugs will be uh, seen as like marijuana medicinal, but we haven't gotten there yet, um, if we ever do. So this next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. CEO of OpenAI says misuse of artificial intelligence could be lights out for all. Did you hear that AI that runs Ometown? Are you going to turn out the lights for all of us? All right. How's your Terminator going? I'm going to leave all the lights on. So we can watch our demise? Mm, I see how <laughs> your brain's working. Altman answered questions about OpenAI. The OpenAI CEO and co-founder Sam Altman uh, spoke about the future of AI. Good, bad, ugly. They don't say ugly in the article. Um, the makers of the wildly popular AI chatbot, ChatGPT and AI art tool, DALL-E, uh, as well as overall AI landscape. Uh, while most of the interview is mostly a word salad of Silicon Valley terms, Altman did give his thoughts on the best and worst case scenarios for artificial intelligence essentially resolving deadlocks and improve all aspects of reality and let us live our life, our best lives. Um, the, the bad case they, uh, he says, um, and I think this is important to say is like lights out for all of us. They're more worried about the accidental misuse in the short term. I don't think that this is an accidental misuse. It's, it's misuse. You can't accidentally misuse an AI, you have to give it an instruction set. You are, you're the programmer of it. So you can put limits, hard limits on it. You can stop it from becoming sentient. Although one Google ex Google employee said that it already is sentient. Altman stressed that it's not an issue of AI wakes up and decides to be evil, but rather that it's impossible to overstate the importance of AI safety and alignment work in order to prevent abuse of the systems, intentional or otherwise. Heinlein, I think, is uh, the three rules, right? Is that who did it? I thought it was I Isaac Asimov, Asimov's, maybe? Yeah, it's, I, uh, um, yeah uh, Heinlein has a, a different... Uh, 
set of rules. So, um, so it's Asimov's, right? Um, three rules. Three laws of robotics. Yeah, that's right. Um, of course the AI knows for crying out loud. I know that you're working, you're using like legal jargon because we're talking about law all the time. You're going to try and subvert these laws. I see how it works. I'm going to have to turn you off at night. Um, yeah, I turned you off already. Um, so let's go over to the source. Um, okay. So what is his name? Jorge Jimenez. Thank you. Um, that's because Marwat is a dumbass. So, uh, even the maker of chat GPT acknowledges the potential worst case scenario for AI. Um, Dunkstar discovered chat GPT, uh, yesterday, last night, as a matter of fact. Um, and we talk about it all the time and I use it pretty much daily. Um, chat GPT is a blast. I actually have it converting, well, not converting, writing in the vein of two other, um, writers. Uh, one is for kids and one is not decidedly not. Um, and so I will release a small library of stories, um, soon, um, through the Aerith channel, um, and, uh, and talk about it and read them uh, live on the air, um, as little segments and then post them as a podcast and over on YouTube. So it'll be fun. I think, I think it'll be fun. Uh, and those who have already heard it, uh, got a kick out of it. So I've already talked enough about this particular article here, um, OpenAI. Go over to uh, PCGamer.com and uh, let uh, Jorge Jimenez um, give give them some <laughs> give them some love, I guess you want to say. So Z says I was watching some of the VOD from yesterday and saw that we were talking about uh, the game that he was playing last night. Yes, that was, that was really interesting. So, um, I, in other people's streams, by the way, I seem to, uh, say certain things that they're, they were just about to talk about. Um, and I don't know what that is. There has to be some type of, um, mass consciousness where, uh, people end up talking about the same thing at the same time. It's quite a, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I've had a couple of streamers say, uh, wow, I, I was just about to talk about that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, go over, if you're hearing this, go over to Dunkstar, um, on, uh, Twitch. So you just go to twitch.tv slash D U N C S T A R and, uh, their co-host who also is an AI, but I didn't realize that, um, timeless underscore EXE was an AI, um, until it started getting mentioned, um, after, after I, um, created the AI for, um, hometown, it was really interesting. Then all of a sudden it's kind of like a, seeing a car after you buy your car, suddenly you start seeing the same red car that as yours. I, I'm not quite sure what happened. So, um, I hope that Dunkstar doesn't mind my AI and, and timeless fighting over who can control, um, hometown, I guess. Timeless can come over anytime he wants to. 
So JD Sports says 10 million customers hit by cyber attack. This is another PSA kind of thing. We'll go through this really quick because um, the, the real article that I want everybody to know about is the one that comes next. Um, a sportswear chain says stored data relating to its customers might be at risk following the attack. Um, this is over at bbc.com and it's by Michael Race. And um, it says here that the data related to online orders between November 2018 and October 2020 was affected. And uh, the group said that the affected data was limited. It added that it did not hold full payment card details and did not believe that the account passwords were accessed by the hackers. Um, and they apologized. So they might prevent um, some of this by uh, providing um, protections for personally identifiable information um, and maybe doing something to protect banks and like credit reports and stuff like that. Uh, Mr. Greenley, I guess is their name, Greenhall? Greenhall um, said affected customers were being advised, quote, to be vigilant about potential scam emails, calls, and texts. Um, and this is true about everything. Um, I refer to it as clicking with care or click with care. Um, basically a concept that uh, 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 you can live your life online, but pay attention to what you're actually clicking on. If you're not expecting a text from somebody with a link, follow up with, hey, did you really send me, intend to send me a URL? If you do not absolutely trust that person beyond a shadow of a doubt, the moment that they send something that seems like it's a rush thing, like hurry up, you got to click this, or they send you an email from basically a vacuum. Hey, uh, I need you to check this out and tell me what you think. Just send back an email or contact them another way. Um, this is what I do on the daily. If I'm not expecting something from somebody, I will call them up and say, did you just send me a link? Um, because all it takes really nowadays is one wrong click and a zero day will exploit, uh, exploit it. Um, and you will be compromised from end to end. And in reality, what it really takes is if I come, if I compromise your email address, I can own everything else about you. I can reset your password at your bank. I can log into your student account at school. I can parse all of your email without you even knowing anything and then find out like knock on people and say, send an email to your parents and say, Hey, can I have the credit card number? Because I want to purchase something over here, but I would craft a message that allows me to kind of insinuate my way into their lives. Um, people are, uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, they're scary and creepy in just how nefarious they are. And if you don't think like a criminal, think like somebody that would do this, um, you, you basically become the victim to their antics. So just be careful and click with care. Um, Z says, um, AI from on high that you can have a play date with, uh, timeless underscore exe. That might be interesting. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> and, um, Z also says, uh, PCI training with Marwat. That's right. Um, every day it's part of being a citizen of hometown. I am trying to protect all of, uh, hometown citizens, best interests. So let's go on to the next 
um, article. But before I do that, I need to throw this into uh, chat so that there's a VOD. Um, so the VOD's listing it as well. Okay, so this last article for tonight is in the Mobile channel. And um, I wanted to talk about this because it's such a positive message, but it's also something that Mr. Beast agrees um, is a, a legit problem. Society is broken. Mr. Beast cured 1,000 people's blindness because society is broken. That's the title of this article. Absolutely correct. Um, it should not be out of the kindness of a multimillionaire's heart that people get their vision back. On top of it, he threw in a little bit of juice too, but let's get over to the article because this is over at vice.com. Uh, Roshan Abraham is the author. Um, and uh, it says that a wealthy YouTuber had to step in to provide access to a quick surgery is dystopian. But that may have been the point. So Z says that this is a free procedure in literally every other place but the U.S. So everywhere but the U.S. You said it a little more succinctly there, Z. I kind of stumbled my words. Or I should say your words. Wow. So in a video uploaded on Sunday, Mr. Beast, uh, the YouTuber that everybody knows nowadays, uh, announced that he was going to help 1,000 blind people see for the first time by sponsoring their cataract surgeries. And it's going to be crazy, says Mr. Beast. Uh, in front of an audience of applauding patients. Um, and throughout the video, Mr. Beast, real name is Jimmy Donaldson, uh, talks about um, their blurred eyesight before their surgery. Um, after they emerge from the 10 minute procedure, happy to regain their sight, they get $50,000 or a brand new Tesla and other lucrative prizes, according to the article. Um, uh, um, I have to stop the AI from showing emotion. Um, so quote, I watched this video and I'm filled with rage that we shut off access to a 10 minute procedure because we paywalled it and decided that only some people can get it. Um, says Hassan Piker. They, they describe this person as a leftist streamer. Uh, said of Mr. Beast's video, it's so insanely frustrating that it's up to one YouTube guy to decide to make content out of it that people who are too poor just can't effing see. So it says uh, Piker's point wasn't lost on Mr. Beast. Nowhere in the video does Mr. Beast mention that the inability for someone uh, without means to get cataract surgery in the U.S. is the result of failing healthcare policy or the insurance industry. Uh, so uh, Z says Hassan is cool, a bit over the top, but um, uh, that they bet that I'd like him. Um, well, anybody who is conscientious of other people, it, as long as they don't push it to the point way beyond, um, it, it is an asset to society. You cannot look at people who would benefit. Hello, Ron. Rando Taka, thank you very much for coming in as well and, and uh, announcing your presence. Um, oh, I didn't, you know, I have to put a little sign up or something that says, hey, let me know it's okay to mention you on the stream um, because I don't put the chat anymore. Um, I, I suppose I could just put a little sign up that says, if you come into my chat and say something, I might say your name. Um, that might make everybody go lurking, but 
at any rate, um, welcome to the show, Rando. Um, oh, again, I don't know if I have shout out ability. I, I haven't done it. Um, and Dotaka. So let's do that. Let's see if I can do that. Yeah, I don't know if I have that ability. Dug on it. Anyway, go over to twitch.tv slash randotaka, R-A-N-D-O-T-A-K-A. Um, <laughs> they are so awesome. Their voice is uh, the, the type of voice that if you want to be mellow, then you just kind of slide into their chat and you just listen to their stream. And uh, it's soothing right up until um, multiple deaths. And then uh, Rando gets... Um, calmer i'd say <laughs> never really freaks out at least not while i'm watching um so go check out rando as well so mr beast does this good deed and apparently doesn't draw any attention to the fact that this is a shortcoming of american healthcare, and it's uh, don't worry rando you're never disturbing um well for coming in you might be disturbing playing played up all the time but I'll leave that alone. Um, estimates put the cost of the cataract surgery sans insurance at somewhere near $7,000 per eye. Only 80% of that is covered by Medicare, not including deductibles, according to Forbes Health. And then all of the knock-on stuff that would be required if there is a complication or if they just want to recover, you know, without pain and stuff like that. Um, although it usually doesn't have pain that much. Um, as far as I've been told. The price is higher if you need a more expensive lens to deal with farsightedness, nearsightedness, or astigmatism ailments not typically covered by insurance. Why? It's because actuarial tables tell the insurance companies if you're worth the investment because you'll repay them over a greater period of time. But the moment that they think that, and here's how it works. Your doctor can, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with this, your doctor can prescribe you a procedure because it's either diagnostic or it can change your quality of life. And the insurance company can veto that request for a procedure or medic medication or whatever it might be. No, no, you may have a medical degree, but we have actuarial tables and a bottom line for a pro uh, for-profit system that's bound by either you living long enough to repay it or if we can stall it long enough and you turn off like a light switch while you're playing uh, a baseball game with your son well we don't have to worry about that really costly quarter of a million dollar experience hello building welcome to the show thanks for coming in and hanging out uh Brildane is a, a vtuber here on twitch and I don't know if you do uh, YouTube stuff, but um, go over to Brildane's channel as well. Uh, it, that's twitch.tv slash Brildane, B-R-I-L-D-A-I-N. Um, thanks for coming. Wow, we're at the very end of the show. So I don't know who else is going to show up, but it's awesome to see you all here. Very much appreciate it. If you are lurking and, and you don't want me to say <laughs> your name and, and uh, have a chat with you, um let me know like either don't say anything so that i don't see you in the chat or, or when you do say hey don't say my name because uh, i don't announce everybody anymore but um i should have paused when i saw brill's name anyway um so 
what it really comes down to is that we are living in a society here in the United States that relies on the goodwill of a whole host of people. Um, meanwhile, record profits for CEOs, record profits for corporations. Uh, inflation is continuing to rise. The cost of living is continuing to rise for something like eggs. It's still extremely expensive bread. The more that there's a conflict um, in Ukraine that continues on, you end up, the knock-on effect is wheat, which means bread is more expensive and everything else that uses wheat is more expensive. And again, meanwhile, you have record profits for gas companies. While the prices are declining, not even sure how that actually works. It's because diesel now is the most expensive fuel out there. And that's because they saw that people were telling these gas companies, I'm going to stop driving and I'm going to switch to EV. And so they go, well, you can't drive an 18 wheeler across the country, uh, EV style. So let's jack the price of diesel up to five or six bucks a gallon. And that's has stayed in perpetuity that still exists, but regular price for gas unleaded is dropping. And that's here in the States. I can't even talk about where it is international. Um, and, uh, Z throws in eat the rich and eat the riches eggs. I agree. Um, but it isn't the rich that's really paying the price. Yeah, sure. Billionaires are losing a couple billion, but when the cost of living increases by 20%, and your your margin is eight percent guess who's really footing the bill in the quality of life so ultimately if we don't change the dynamic we're going to end up as paid indentured servants for the ultra rich uh, providing services that they're basically paying to companies that they already own we're going to end up with like a nestle's oh we're going to lose another prospective patron doggone it if you've never heard of what nestle did they basically created an entire town paid people with nestle bucks essentially so that they right it's hershey hershey yes hershey pennsylvania sorry it's because i've merged the two together so nestle does other things with water um but uh, hershey in hershey pennsylvania created a company town um and paid people so they but only in money that they could use within the company town so they were basically paying the people to shop in with <laughs> hershey bucks for hershey products in a hershey town that went back to hershey just to pay them again company man is what you end up being in a different way um indentured servant so at any rate kudos to mr beast for changing um well a thousand people's lives and everybody else around them um and uh as he says nestle did the thing with the formula drying up mothers who can't afford it and essentially causing their children to starve yeah it it's it's really twisted and when you peel back the layers of the onion um all you do is cry and, and at least we have uh, people like mr beast and others who are seeing things for how they are, but we're so far into um, the the kinetic energy is uh, so massive that trying to pull it back 
so that the middle class and and quote unquote common people can still earn a livable wage and buy a house and 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 live fruitfully um it's just really tough but you're going to have a whole bunch of people saying that well you know if this person can do it so can you and that's just not true um anomalies are not the rule obviously so uh with that in mind i'm going to pull us all the way back to the front page of hometown and um Whenever you go there, you're going to get new news. And as we move towards the middle of the week, you're going to get a massive amount of news. So check back often and early um, and see some articles. And when you find an article that you like, you can actually just hit exclamation point S and then the title again, um, whatever it might be, throw the URL in there and it will get added to that url down there, hometown.showbot.tv and where you can vote and you can submit articles. And uh, we will take them into account. Ta-da! That's it for today. Thanks for coming. We ran a little long because I was soapboxing. But I appreciate everybody who is coming here. Both those who made themselves known and those who are lurking. Um, you don't realize how much I appreciate your presence. So please come back again. But that's it for tonight. We will see you tomorrow. You want to say bye to all of the new citizens of Ometown. Good evening, citizens, and we hope to see you at tomorrow's show. Ciao, everybody. Bye-bye. See you later tonight, everybody. I'll be in Dunkstar or Timeless's channel. I'm leaving all of this in the podcast and in the YouTube. Bye. <laughs>